Hi, I'm Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them. And we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Welcome back to the Shh, Don't Talk About It podcast. This is Raina, and Megan and I are going to be doing a summer remix over the next couple of months. Just to recap, we are going to be choosing an episode from our old seasons as we prepare for our new season ahead. Just taking a little bit of break, but also wanted to just bring some other episodes to the forefront. If you listened to last week's episode, Megan's choice was period piece, which was so funny and so fun to record. My choice this week is also from season one, episode eight, Love Sees Color. And I chose this episode because we are rounding out the end of May, and May is also known as Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And being Filipino, I thought I should air this episode again. Not only am I Filipino, but I am also white. I was raised by a white mother. This episode goes into what it was like for me growing up biracial and my challenges with finding my own identity within that. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Also, I just wanted to add that we will be on the Patreon over the next couple of months as well. So you can find us there where we'll have some bonus content. Some of our bonus content will include some of your stories that you can share with us. We have a new phone number now. It's 909 859-0559. It's completely anonymous. We want you to call that number if there's something that you want to get off your chest. You just leave a message. You tell us your story. And maybe we will share your story and talk about it on the Patreon. Um, Again, it's completely anonymous. We definitely do not want people calling and admitting to crimes. That is not what this number is for. But we do want to hear your stories, your secrets. It's just a way to to stay connected throughout this journey of taking away shame. And as always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss any of this new content. And also so more listeners can find us. So anyway, here is my episode for the week, Love Sees Color. Well, I slow, did too. Slow crack. Do you think these are tainted? I think they're okay. Okay. <laughs> we got them from the local bodega, so we'll see. <laughs> All right. So love sees color. Yeah. Uh, tell the people what we mean by that title and what we're talking about today. It stems back to, oh, the, I believe it's the 90s, early 90s of love sees no color. That whole genre and how damaging that was for people of color. And so we thought it was important to talk about this topic today because it's definitely impacted my life more so than I thought it ever did. And so just think it's important to to shed light on what it feels like to be biracial. Yeah. And have a white mother and a brown father and grow up in a pretty much a white dominant family. For the most part. 
And just how damaging the idea of, I don't see race, we're all human beings. Yes. I'm colorblind. Like how damaging that way of thinking and moving through the world really is for people. Yeah. Yeah. It had a big impact on you. It did. And you know what? Honestly, I didn't know that it did until later on in life when I was raised by my mom, who is white. And I have two sisters that were also raised by my mom who are um, share the same dad. Three brown girls. She always got the whole like, oh, it was so nice that you got them all together. Adopted them all together. She always got that shit when we were it's little so kids. It's so nice you got them all together. Mm-hmm. People, I don't know why I'm actually surprised <laughs> because I I do believe, I can totally believe yeah. and see that, but it's just like, you weren't puppies. No, I children. know. I know. And this was like in the 80s. So I was born 1980 and like, it was just... Honestly, like from my mom and my dad, they were the first of, on both sides of the family to to uh, date or be with people of people of color or not or white people. Like my dad was with a white woman, and none of his family were with white women or white people. And then my mom, same. Like she's has what six other siblings, and none of them were with people of color. Mm. So it was a whole big thing. And so thank you, mother, for doing stepping out and <laughs> creating us. Appreciate it. But I think we all were learning throughout our lives or throughout the ch- our childhood what it was like to be raised in a society the way that the society was back in the day. Yeah. And all trying to figure out because my brother, my older brother is white. So there's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's white. Then there's three brown sisters. And then I have a little brother who's also white. So it's just, and then my mom's white and she raised us all. I don't know. I think growing up that got lost, our color, mm-hmm. our skin color, being able to express ourselves, be proud of our skin color, be proud of our heritage, our dad's side of the family. Yeah. Because I didn't get raised with my dad's side of the family. I got raised by my mom. Yeah. There's a lot. And my mom, her whole thing was the whole thing of love sees no color. Like she thought maybe she was doing a good thing by not noticing or not having us like point out that we were brown or we were different mm-hmm. than her as far as color goes. Maybe she thought she was doing a good thing, but it was not a good thing. <laughs> what ways do you feel like it impacted you or what ways do you feel like you were damaged by that? I think in the long run, I just didn't really have a sense of identity. I'm clearly brown. <laughs> I'm clearly fucking Asian on the outside. Oh, this yeah. is what people see. This is how I present myself. It is what it is. But for me on the inside, I had the same kind of idea as my mom had throughout my life. We're all the same. Like I was a victim of, or I was also a love sees no color type of person mm-hmm. for the longest time. Like I didn't want to see other people's color. I, I thought that might be damaging to them or you're more than just your color. All pretty much what I was raised. I fucking drank the Kool-Aid on that. Yeah, that was really a thing in the 80s and 90s. I'm white, grew up in a white family, grew up in a pretty white neighborhood and went to my early elementary school was like very like focused on like multicultural education, Mm -hmm. sort of just falls into the same thing, like one race, human race. And we were taught that it's not polite 
to see color. Mm -hmm. Somehow it's rude to notice that someone has a different skin color than you or is a different ethnicity. Yeah. When really I feel like it's extremely rude in the other direction. Yes. You know, because it's like you're erasing the like who somebody is and using whiteness as like the normative right like i don't see color we're all the same is just a way of saying i'm comfortable with whiteness and whiteness only yeah and we're all white i guess I, yeah i don't fucking know i'm like any sense it's yeah like cruel in this passive aggressive disguised as well-intentioned kind of thing but the truth yeah. is like you look different than your mom and walk through the world differently because you're brown. Yeah. And I, there were things, experiences as a kid growing up in school and being called names and that horrible, like fucking, fucking names. But I've never heard you talk about that actually. Oh, I'm not going to repeat the No, I'm not (laughs) going to, but it's more just, I never, I've never heard you talk about being teased for being different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They always, you know, kids are mean. And they say things and then the fucking racist fucking names what I was called. But I was always one of those kids and I still am one of those people that I just I don't let shit like that get to me. So it didn't really like ruin or I didn't feel bullied. I didn't feel like attacked or anything like that. I just thought it was fucking stupid or stupid fucking kids. Like I wasn't affected or impacted as much as my sisters might have been. Because again, I was on that whole other side of it where I'm like, we're all one so I'm just like but now I you know and I'm still definitely working on finding more about myself finding more about my history my family history my dad's side of the family claiming myself claiming all sides of myself it's definitely still a process because it took me a long time like literally in the last few years that I've been able to talk more openly or be more woke and I think a lot of us are more woke than we were back in the day. You know, I was definitely a racist piece of shit back in the day. <laughs> but I was, look at the people that I hung out with. Or, yeah, were you just adapting to mm-hmm. what was around you? I almost wonder if it was like adapting to what was around you as a survival strategy. Yeah. I don't want to be called to these names. Yeah, I thought I was better to, than that. Yeah. Better than these racist slurs. I'm better than that. You know what I mean? Um, and then I did that to other people. And it's just, it's a horrible thing. And I know a lot of uh, people of color go through this and there's like colorism and things like that, or hating your own race or things like that. And I was just a teenager. So I was probably just with all the fucking jocks and shit. That was my crew. That was who I hung out with back in the day. And yeah, you know how jocks are. They're fucking assholes. I do. (laughs) I worked real hard to avoid them my whole life yeah but part of the impact on you was feeling like you weren't allowed to claim your whole self and I'm curious like what are the parts of you that you felt like you weren't able to claim or that you've been working to like connect and like discover more of now more so my Filipino heritage you know my Again, my mom's white and my dad is Filipino. However, my dad is really, he's first generation, but he's not, he's very Americanized. And so it's hard because growing up, I didn't get a lot of, I don't know, I I wasn't taught a lot of my, that side of the family. I had my grandma who was amazing 
and mm. I miss her and I wish I like really appreciated her more when she was alive because my grandma from the Philippines came here and she fucking that is where I felt the most like getting the culture uh-huh. like the real deal like she cooked all the time always had something on the stove all her fucking all of her furniture was like covered in plastic <laughs> <laughs> and she had those swan pictures and everything was red and gold and it was just like like the real fucking deal you know I really I was like thank god for my grandma and I just like anytime I hear like a Filipino accent I'm like oh my god grandma mm-hmm. she was the best and and we spent so much time with her as as kids because every time every summer we would get dropped off at my yeah, or, or, or every summer I'd have to go to my dad's, which meant staying with my grandma uh-huh. <laughs> for six months. And so there was a lot. I was able to experience a lot of Filipino food, and it was really good until I f- found out what it was. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> eating cow tongue. But that was really good. And then throughout, as I grew up, she died when I was, what, maybe 20, I think, or so. But I wish I would have known to ask her more questions about yeah. her life. And where she came from and how it was in the Philippines. And I think all of my cousins have been to the Philippines except for us, except for my family, my dad and my sisters. Yeah, we Hmm. haven't been there yet. My dad hasn't even been there. If this goddamn pandemic ever ends, that would be that'll be an amazing trip. I really want to go. And it's weird because I'm still like there's a push and pull with am I Filipino enough or like I or I'm definitely not like my color and my skin is not white, but I'm definitely American. Oh, and sure. I always thought it was such a oh, when people would it's horrible. I'm going to go here. But when people would say I'm Asian when I'm just I'm like, no, I'm American, which I am. But there's always been a thing of not claiming that side of me. Why do you? Like, it was like a shameful side of me. OK, so it was like. No, I'm not. I'm American. Yes. Quick, like someone notices that you're Asian, says you're Filipino, and like a quick piece of shame kicks in that makes you want to push that away. Yeah. What do you think? Like at the time you teenager, kid, surviving, it all makes sense. But what do you think that was about now? I think it was just how I was raised because like my mom was always like, why does it matter? Anytime we would describe somebody that they're Mexican, Filipino, or brown, or black. She's all her first thing is, why did you have to say that? Why did you have to mention their right, you know, and I'm like, because that's part of who they are. And so we were shamed for noticing that about other people. And hello, how <laughs> we're not noticing that meaning we're not noticing that about ourselves or being allowed to notice that about ourselves. And it's I'm clearly brown. I'm clearly looking this way. I have a Filipino nose. I'm fucking brown and I cannot I'm not allowed to say that so of course there's going to be shame or when anybody like pointed that shit out to me I was just like no I'm American and my eyes aren't slanted and my like it was just so toxic now that I think about it because it's all fucking beautiful but I was it was all clearly projection of how I felt inside of the mistreatment that I put on others because of my own shit about it and no I'm because American society, the way they portray Asian women, like you have to, Japanese women, they're like, oh, they're either over-sexualize them or make them like funny and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like some bullshit. And, say, and so it's, that's what I was raised in. So I didn't fully take pride in that. Totally. No. And being I mean, Asian. Yeah. Like Asian women and black men are like the most fetishized by white people in this way that's just so 
dehumanizing. Yeah. Yeah. And so very like, where do you fit? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, especially when you don't have any parents like directing you or guiding you. Yeah. Like (laughs) other friends of mine who are multiracial or biracial have talked about this feeling of wasn't white enough. And I also wasn't enough of whatever their right. whatever their other race is. So this feeling of not fitting anywhere. Mm-hmm. It seems like that would be so alienating and so confusing. It is. And so you pick a side, right? Like oh, I picked a fucking I, I had to pick a side and it was like my white side, I guess, cuz I don't that's really where the everybody that I hang out with like my brother who's my older brother who's white has he like speaks other languages and he hangs out with all every fucking Asian here knows who he is. Like hmm. I, we all say that he's more Asian than us because he is. He like is dove into the culture. All of his friends, he would stay the night at their house, and he they they all live together with the grandma and the mom and everybody lived mm-hmm. together. And he would have that upbringing with people that lived across the street from us. And it was just it's just totally different and very fucking confusing and. Just yeah. the idea of having to pick a side that seems like it would just it leads to like self betra- like self betrayal in a way. Yeah, because why know? can and I like be losing. all of these right. things? And yeah, it's the fucking question that I'm sure a lot of us Asian women get, or mixed kids or mixed people get is what are you what are your ties to america yeah do you remember yes my <laughs> sister got asked that question when she came up to visit in portland she's just sitting at a bar minding her fucking business and this guy literally asked her what are your ties to america and she's like, i was fucking born here like we always get what are you where are you from no really where are you from though and i'm just like are how do you answer so how do you answer that question like how do What's your way of telling people to fuck off when they're... I tell them I'm from California. Yeah. And they're like, no, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from California. And then do you just stare at them until they go away? Yeah. Or they're like, or are you trying to ask me what my ethnicity is? Because I'm half Filipino, half white. And I will let them know. But it's just like, some people slip a lot. There's still a lot of people that slip and they're all like, are you, you know, that oriental girl? And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, I had to correct my coworker the other day. And I'm like, don't say that. You mean Asian? Don't fucking say that in front of me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's still, we all know it's still a, it's a thing. It's a big thing. And now it's even more so with COVID and the a- Asians are getting attacked and shit. Like racist, ugh, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot because then there's a side of me that I'm like, do, am I allowed to like feel some type of way? What do you mean? Because for so long, I like ignored that part of myself. Okay. And not maybe ignored, but maybe conditioned to ignore that side of myself. So are you allowed to feel like impacted by racism? Am I allowed to feel like Asian? Am I Asian enough? Am I fucking Filipino enough? I don't. Am I allowed to post things about Asian stuff? You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. 
It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wow. Because I'm... I don't know. I just want people to know as Raina is asking that question, there's like tears in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about that, like that. It's that's weird. A huge, <laughs> that's a huge thing to have to walk with. Yeah. I just, it's really confusing. But and especially lately, I've been trying to like really learn more about myself and ignore, try to unlearn so much shit I've been conditioned with my whole life. Yeah. Undo the programming. Yeah. And so I'm like learning more about my family and my dad's side of the family and my Filipino side of the family. And I recently got this fucking tattoo on my wrist. <laughs> Tell, explain to folks what it is because it's beautiful. And while you're thinking of what you want to say, I'll say the day that Raina got this, I get a text from her like <laughs> waiting to get tattooed again. She's been getting She's been decorating herself. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's crazy. Cool. What are you getting? And uh, you were like, I just woke up feeling like my ancestors were talking to me. And I'm getting this very significant to your culture tattoo. And I remember thinking like, damn, that is so cool and special for you. And especially because I know you and I know how much you've been working to connect to and claim that part of your identity without shame or guilt or questions about whether you deserve it or mm. are allowed to which you are and all of that but yeah. I just was like oh that I can't wait to see this it's going to be so cool and it's a really powerful tattoo and a really powerful story if you yeah feel like telling it no I do because I actually woke up knowing I wanted to get a tattoo I just didn't quite know what I wanted to get that day but I just had a sense that I, I've really been listening to myself lately and really tapping into my spiritual side and just trying to sit and listen. So I was just looking on Pinterest, like thinking of ideas. And then I came across what I've been wanting to get some tribal for a long time, Filipino tribal for a long time. 
And then everything just came together and it was such an, uh, I was like, okay, like the guy that I got the tattoo from, it's the same day call in only. So I was like, okay, I'll call in. If I don't get it, then it's whatever. It's not meant to be or whatever. But I called in, I got in. I'm like, oh yeah, yay. And then, then I started doing more research on exactly what I wanted and why I wanted to get it. I got three pieces. One is a centipede, one is a snake skin, and one is the ladder. And they're all tribal tattoos from my part of the Philippines, where my family is from. Because you don't have any colonizer in you. No, which is crazy. Yeah. I haven't done a DNA test myself, but my sister has. So I'm assuming like it'd be sure. relatively the same. We have the same father. What is the part that you guys are from? We are from the biggest island in the Philippines is, I don't know. So I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing any of this correct, but it's Luzon, L-U-Z-O-N. It's the biggest, it's like the North Island and it's the Coast Norte or something. I'm Ilocano. So we speak Ilocano and the major dialect in the Philippines is Tagalog, but we're Ilocano. And my family is from the mountain region. And I think it's Abras, I think is the, I think is the name of the land. But anyway, what it comes down to is my sister's DNA is indigenous. There's no tainted anything. It's 50% Filipino, which is insane. Yeah. And then like she did this whole family tree project. She's been like interviewing all of our Filipino side of the family, finding out more and more about our heritage. And we're actually indigenous to this part of the land. So basically these tribal tattoos that I got, I'm pretty sure like my ancestors had these, which is amazing and like i just think back in time but if people are into the into tattoos and you're and you know about stick and poke and there's like this famous 101 year old filipino lady and that is where she's at that's in the in luzon in the fucking mountains in the cordillera region where i'm from doing stick and poke of these fucking tribal tattoos and she has them all over her body yeah i saw the picture we'll post we'll post pictures of reina's tattoo Pictures of the woman you're talking about. She yeah. looks like fucking badass. Like the way she's staring at the camera. Yeah. When the picture you posted, I was like, ooh. Yes. She's yes. fucking beautiful. And it's just is so everything's like I learned this all that day when I, I just mm-hmm. started like listening and getting all this information and researching. And I'm just like, oh, my God, it just made me feel so powerful. And I've been feeling like my ancestors have been around me for a little bit now, ever since I started diving more into my spiritual side. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my ancestors, I always, for some reason, I go back to my dad's side of the family. I see them. Yeah. I don't see my mom's ancestors. I don't, I just see like my grandma and I see. That makes a lot of sense. For, does it? I think it makes sense from a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. If you it makes a lot of sense. And then from a like psychological perspective, it's the part of your part or parts of yourself that you were alienated from, separated from. And there's a longing for that. And that longing is bringing you home yeah, to them and to yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes a lot of sense. You're finding your way to the part of you that was alienated. Yeah. And reclaiming her and bringing her home. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I feel that because I just feel this strength of in my blood. I literally feel their blood racing in my veins. Mm-hmm. I just because I just feel like we are so powerful and so strong and the way my grandma came here and what she had to endure to fucking be here, come to America was just a lot. And yeah. and what she had to see and she was part of the fucking what was it which war was it World War 2? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we're World 2. That was when the Japanese were over there, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So she had to see some fucked up shit and see a lot of her friends went and their heads chopped off. Like, it was just a horrible thing Damn. that she had to go through. And she was, like, working for the Japanese. They hired her to, to be responsible for letting people in and out of this camp or their town or something like that. And then, but she also let her friends in and out, too. Like, she helped people escape from that. And... So, Loyal ass bitch, just yeah. like you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so she's just, she's an amazing woman and I wish she was still here today. But I think I'm definitely in the process of just learning more and just even this tattoo, I look at it and I'm just like, I don't know, because it has a definitely spiritual meaning behind it because those tribal tattoos were given for either for badges of bravery or for spirituality, spiritual guidance, protection. That's what all these tattoos are represent, like reaching the heavens, reaching achievements. The guys had them. The ladies had them, too, or like adornment and beauty. And that's crazy. And they talk about the painted, the painted people or whatever, because they had so many tattoos, which is I don't know, which is pretty cool because I have a lot of tattoos, so yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I just love, like, listening to you talk right now and just, like, watching how you're, like, beaming with pride and excitement, like, mm-hmm. talking about this, just – and then going back to your question, like, am I allowed to feel some type of way? Am I allowed to take pride? Yes. You don't need my permission. Yeah. You're the person that will answer that question for you, but there's just something about watching you talk about – this part of yourself that is really cool and fun is your friend and someone who loves you. Like Aww. just what, like the look in your eyes, the like smile on your face. I'm sorry that you spent so many years of your life feeling like that had to be invisible. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And I think it was a little bit of everything. I think it was definitely a little bit of protection as well from fuck. We were not the norm back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We were not. There was not a lot of mixed children back in the 80s. I mean, sure. definitely not Asian mixed children. So it's a lot. And I'm, I am reclaiming that side of me and it feels good. It feels good. So thank you for noticing. <laughs> I love that I get to, to watch it unfold. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for being brave enough to talk about all of this on the podcast. It's like real talk. This is happening like right now in my life. (laughs) 100%. And you're not the only biracial, multiracial person that has been raised by a white mom, intentioned or not, had these sort of colorblind biases put on you had damage done because of that, invisible because of that. And so it's just really generous of you to share your story with our listeners because I suspect that there are people listening that are going to connect pretty heavily to what you're saying. And for those of you who, like me, are white and so you can't connect to the experience Raina's sharing, I want to just really challenge you to go back and listen to this again. Like really listen to what she's saying about how this whole love sees no color, colorblind, one race, the human race. Like I want you to really think about and understand how damaging that is. I don't want to sound luxury. Like I'm just like, I'm a woke white and I don't have work to do or like, I know everything. Cause that's not true. I have biases. I've been unlearning that I will continue to unlearn mm-hmm. work, like a lot of work to Same. do forever. That's 
how it is. So this isn't like a like, I challenge you to because I'm better than you. It's more just this is a really important story to understand. And if you've ever said something along the lines of I don't see race, yeah, we want you to understand how hurtful that is, how much it erases somebody and maybe open up a different channel in your brain for a different way to think about like why it's beautiful to see right color. Right. Color is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and why is, there's nothing wrong with it by not by choosing not to see it because it, it is a fucking choice. Mm-hmm. Don't act like you don't see it. It's a choice. So choosing not to see it literally that makes somebody feel like there's something wrong with them. Like it makes me feel like there's something wrong with me. If like with my mom or whatever, like choosing not to see or being able to identify with all of who I am. Oh my God, I hate my fucking nose. I hate my freckles. I hate, like, I hate that I'm Asian. My hair color, it's too dark. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's all the things. And, and it's all about like choices that we make every fucking day. Yeah. It's a choice to see these things or a choice not to see these things. And every day, just be conscious of those choices and what, how that impact might may land with somebody. I'm sure my mom thought she was doing something good, or maybe she just didn't want to deal with her own uncomfortableness of it. I don't fucking know. But all I know is it did not do me good. <laughs> Fuck. And that's what kind of matters. Like the intent of our actions doesn't matter if the impact is that someone's hurt. Even if we have, I've for sure hurt people with good intentions. Know that I have racially and otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like your good intentions don't matter if the outcome of them is harm. Yeah. It's just an important thing to remember. Yes. And because even my mom to this day has, she has grandkids and I hear her saying the same things to my niece and nephews. Like there was a chess tournament that my nephew was at and he looked around and he noticed there was a bunch of Japanese kids and he mentioned he's oh there's a lot of Japanese kids here and then there goes my mom like why does it matter why does it matter that they're Japanese and then I'm like what because it matters and I was like why is it a problem I think it's amazing that he recognizes it and acknowledges these human beings is there something wrong with them being Japanese don't do this to him and he's a quarter Filipino and he um, presents as white, but he has a Filipino mom, and it's just stop it. Yeah. <laughs> it just, fucking matters, okay? <laughs> what you just said is so important to you because children are like natural scientists, uh-huh. really. Like they're so inquisitive, and their brains and our brains are built to notice different. So when we shut it down, yeah, you're implying like it's bad to be black, it's bad to be Japanese. Yeah. When you do that silencing and make the implication that to be anything other than white is bad. Yes. You're programming your white children, mm-hmm. racist, racist thoughts, and you're programming your children who are black, indigenous, Filipino, Japanese, whatever mm-hmm. thoughts that like something's wrong with them. Yeah. So I think it's beautiful that kids notice these things and we are the ones that attach if it's good or bad. Yeah. They're just like noticing it. Yeah. Now. Kids are so cool. They are cool. Despite our last episode talking about not wanting or not wanting them. We could still love them. We love them. (laughs) And I, yeah, kids, the way their brains work, the way they see the world, like we, we would do well to enhance what they're noticing versus shutting it down. Yes, for sure. Or shaming them. Yeah. Yeah. For noticing that shit. Is there anything else you want to share about your experience or things that have been like sitting heavy on you that you want 
people to know, to think about, to understand about the experience of growing up brown raised by a white parent? I'm still learning myself. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, if we want to get to the pearls. Yes. At pearls this time. of wisdom. <laughs> we thought of a couple of things that might be good pearls of wisdom. From Raina. Yes, just some things that I've learned along the way, and I'm still learning. And But one of them that Megan was asking earlier about white parents. Or... Yeah, so I had asked, just having gone through this experience, what advice do you have for white parents who are raising black or brown kids? I would say, speaking as a kid of a white mother, I would encourage you to... Step away from your own self and your own uncomfortableness around how you might feel bringing this up to your child or whatever. This is not, again, this is not your life. It's their life. And just setting, acknowledging their struggles or acknowledging that they're different. And there's nothing wrong with being different. There's nothing fucking wrong with being different, whether it's by color or by gender or by whatever. You know what I mean? I don't understand. And that's the biggest thing with parents is they just... And I'm not a parent, but I can only speak with my for my own experience is I just can see the uncomfortableness or like feeling embarrassed or just like uneasy, don't want to bring it up to their kid, don't want to talk about it. But it's oh, it's being talked about. Yeah. And whether you want to be on that side of your kid and help them foster this and go through the world and know that there's absolutely nothing wrong with the color of their skin and that it's okay to claim it and be all of that. That would be my advice. That would be the advice that I still give my mom to this. Mm-hmm. Is like, it does fucking matter. It may not matter to you, but it matters to me. It show, should fucking matter to you if you love that. You know, like we're still, we got to walk through this fucking world like this. We have a whole different experience. So when you say, does it matter? You're saying none of my experiences matter. And that's some bullshit. Got to talk about it. Yeah. So definitely talk about it, acknowledge it, identify it. And ask what you can do. How can I help you? You're still figuring it out too. It's okay. Parents don't have to be fucking perfect with all the answers. They can just ask their children, what do you need? What can I do? You know what I mean? I see you. How can I help you? I see you is probably like the biggest thing. Yeah. The other question I had is if you have any advice for other people who have grown up biracial, multiracial, or are growing up biracial or multiracial right now who are struggling with some of the same feelings of alienation. And I know you're stu- you're like on the journey of it reached a destination. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're like handing down wisdom from on high. No, I just I think just... your story is so important and any words, pearls of wisdom you have. Yeah. Could really help someone. I'm yeah. Like you said, I'm still in it. And so I get it. <laughs> I fucking get how fucking confusing it is. Um, if you're confused by it, I definitely can relate big time. So the biggest thing for me is just like totally being kind to myself and trying to like sift through what's important to me and for me, like without all the shit that I was conditioned by another person my whole life. Like, what about where do I fit in for myself and being able to claim all sides, all parts of us, like, again, color, gender, Fucking spirituality, all of it. It's all everything, not just one. You don't have to pick one side. You don't have to be one thing. Everything can be very fluid. You can evolve. You can be different the next day. Like, just be patient with yourself and claim whatever the fuck you want to claim. This is, there's no, I'm trying to really take pride in 
my brownness, <laughs> but it's still, oh, am I allowed to? But, and I get it. Like you are allowed to, we are allowed to, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Get out of our, we got to get out of our own way and get out of our own head. And don't let other people's opinions or your parents' opinions or whatever stop you from being all that who you are. I love that. Thanks for, again, for just being so open and vulnerable about it. Yes. With me and with the people listening. <laughs> and y'all show Raina some love this week. Ah, You're brave, you. friend. You're brave. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're brave as well. I know it could be hard, difficult sometimes. I don't know. Maybe because yeah. I see it with my mom. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I appreciate it. Giving me the space to, to talk. Yeah. That's what we do here. <laughs> That's what we do. We talk about shit here. So we talk <laughs> about shit. So we would, of course, love to know what you think of this episode. And we would love to hear your stories. So yes. you can find us on Instagram at don't talk underscore podcast has three H's. And you can also email us at info at shdonttalk.com. Yes. Mm. We'd love to hear your story on this. We um, really would. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure it hits home for a lot of people. <laughs> this is what, episode eight? Eight? Yeah. So we got two more episodes. Two more episodes. Of the season. season one. Yay! So we hope we hear from y'all. And in the meantime, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell all your friends. Yep. And we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> it's like